Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. My goodness, I'm so glad to be here with you guys. And my husband is not here, he's traveling, but I want you all to know that we love this family. And it is an honor to serve alongside of some amazing people. And we would not be who we are today without the staff and the leaders and this church family and each of you, so thank you. And thank you for that testimony. I think some of us in the room are asking that question of, God, do you speak to me? And can he do what he does overseas in my life? And by hearing those testimonies, it's already stirring up the faith inside of you that there is something greater than what you're experiencing right now. And God is about to do something amazing. I can't wait. So let's start off. I've got a little crowd participation. I'm going to be up here talking, you're going to be out there participating, okay? So, um, first of all, raise your hand if you wear glasses or contacts, okay? Leave your hands up if, now listen, I don't mean to be mean, but if you wear Coke bottles for glasses, leave your hands up. Some of you are wearing contacts, and okay, okay. When you take your contacts out at night, thank you, put your hands on, you literally have Coke bottles for glasses. Um, I wear glasses when my eyes get tired, or if you've ever went anywhere with me in the evening, I will say, hold on, let me make sure I have my glasses. It's kind of like a nighttime thing. So let's set something up. Let's pretend that you have Coke bottles for glasses. All of you say it's about time someone experiences what I experience. So it's like you can't see this far in front of you. So it's been a long weekend and it's Sunday. You've had an amazing church day. I mean, you know, it's been good. You've had lunch, but Monday is about to start. So you get ready for bed, but you're tired. You're ready to get in the bed. You take off your glasses by the sink, you brush your teeth, and then you get in the bed really quickly. The next morning, the alarm goes off, and it's Monday. How many of us know sometimes Mondays are a little bit rough? So the alarm goes off, it's Monday, like your arms immediately flail. Like when the alarm goes off, it's like, and then so you flail your arms, and you realize, oh my goodness, I do not have my glasses, they're in the bathroom. So in the flail, you throw your hand over on the bedside table, and you knock over your water in the process of trying to find your phone. Because remember, can't see this far in front of your face. So you're like, ah, ah, ah. Water goes everywhere. You get your alarm off. You get up out of the bed. You trip over your shoes that were left in the floor from the night before. How many know we do that? Um, you, as you're like stumbling after you trip over your shoes, then the worst happens. You ram your pinky toe in the doorway. Ah. Jeez, I mean, and, and at that point, it is, it's like Home Alone. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. It's like, it, it's all out war trying to get to the bathroom. You get in the bathroom, you find your glasses, you brush your teeth, and the day has already begun. Okay, same day, different scene. Let's say you have 20-20 vision. 
same thing. You go to bed that night, you're still tired. You've had a wonderful day at church because everyone was here. And um, you had a great day at church and you fall into the bed. You're ready for, the, for Monday. The alarm goes off. You open your eyes. And you know, let's just pretend there's like music in the background. The sun, you can see the sun coming in from the window. You're like, oh, it's Monday, okay. I'm ready for this. You roll over in your bed. The alarm is still going off, which is irritating. And you, so you hit the, the button to make it stop. You sit up in the bed, you grab a drink of water. You get out of bed. You, you look down, you're like, oh, there's my shoes. You pick up your shoes, you take it to the closet. You still barely miss the doorframe because let's just say it's Monday. So you barely miss the doorframe, but you do not hit your pinky toe. You get to, yes, you get to um, the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you have coffee in your hand, and like no one has been hurt in the process, okay? Same day, same obstacles, two different views. Today, we're gonna talk about resilient faith, the kingdom point of view. So I have recently figured out something. Okay, we're gonna do a little more crowd participation. Um, I, there is something that is floating around social media and it is um, a tagline. Let's put it up on the screen. And it looks like this. Oh, shoot. That meant to say POV. Okay, take it down, take it down. Okay, pretend like you just didn't see the answer to my question. Now we're all going to be honest in the room because Jesus will strike you down if you lie, okay? So we're in the house of God. Um, so I have been seeing on social media this thing, it's POV in all caps next to um, graphics and things like that. Forever, I could not figure out what this meant. I was like, POV. I mean, I'm coming up with like all the different words. I'm like, I don't know. So pretend like you didn't see that. Raise your hands if you're in the room and you know what POV stood for before today. Before today. Okay. Okay. Keep, no, no, no. Keep your hands up. If you are under 30, put your hands down. Wow. Okay, you all are officially the cool ones in the room. Greg, who knew? Greg Skelling, everyone. Oh my gosh, this is great. Greg, golly, I need tips from you later. I had no idea what POV meant. Okay, it's point of view. So did you know that there's a cyber dictionary? I thought this was interesting. The cyber dictionary says point of view is this. It is when you capture a picture of a person or scenario with a particular point of view. It's what is seen from the perspective of the camera or the one shooting the picture. So um, Dustin and Caitlin just came back from an amazing beach vacation. Um, I'm sure there has been pictures of the beach. I'm guilty of the same thing. It's really that I'm not trying to make you feel bad for not being there. It's just, I'm so glad that I am there. I wanna document it. So you take a picture of the beach and then you label it POV. It's my current point of view. See, but the thing about it is we all face challenges. So our POV, our current point of view, 
probably one time out of a year when you go on that beach vacation (laughs) is actually glamorous. The rest of the time, our POV here on this earth can be a bit of a grind. So let's say maybe your point of view currently is the gas pump. Hello. Uh, Who, I mean, I'm ready for a smart car. Um, So it could be the gas pump. It could be your business. It could be that you actually have something in your, like a need in your body. Maybe you're sick. Maybe your current point of view has looked like maybe a family member has been sick. Maybe you're facing financial um, uncertainty. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you're getting out of college and you're praying, God, I need a job. Maybe it's fear or just a really busy schedule. But the deciding factor between resilient faith and retreating faith is your point of view. So today, we're gonna talk about what it's like to have resilient faith with a kingdom point of view. See, a kingdom point of view does not change because it's built in a person that is unchangeable. And so when we talk about our current point of view on social media, which let's all be honest, we can totally put the shame game on social media like it's so bad, but we feel everything that we're saying, we feel on the inside of us day in and day out. I wish I had. I wish I could be like. I'm unhappy with my current circumstance. My point of view doesn't match with the person that that point of view never changes. So today, we are going to go through Luke 4. See, Jesus encounters three different points of view, three different opportunities to have an earthly point of view. But each time he comes back with a kingdom point of view. And I think today as we kind of work our way through this, my heart for you is that you are going to find yourself in the story of Jesus. And there's places in your life that you have felt so hopeless, maybe so worthless, maybe that you feel like there's no way out. But I want you today to see through these three encounters that there is a kingdom point of view for you to latch onto and to hold onto and to move forward in. So before... Go ahead and get your iPhones out or your Bibles and get to Luke 4, but I wanna set something up first. Let me give you a little bit of context. Before we jump into Luke 4 verse one, Jesus had just been baptized. So he was uh, in the Jordan, John the Baptist baptized him. It says that when he did, that the heavens parted, that the Holy Spirit came down, that he was empowered, that the father said, this is my son who I am well pleased and I love. And then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness where it says for 40 days that he was tempted by the enemy. But as we're reading through this Luke 4 here in just one minute, At the end of the 40 days, more than likely, these three scenarios came about, okay? So let's start in verse one. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, 
where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell those stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been, that has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command the angel armies concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up with their hands so you won't strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is written, do not put my Lord God to the test. When the devil had finished all of the tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And then the last in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news spread throughout the whole countryside. See, Jesus went into a situation full of the Holy Spirit, completely empowered with an identity that was unshakable. And as he went into the wilderness, which some say that they kind of have a little, um, everyone differs where this wilderness was, but I just Googled one like hypothetical thought and um, Google's always right. So I'm sure I was looking at the right wilderness, um, but it kind of reminded me of Texas Hill Country mixed with Colorado. So the height of Texas Hill Country, which is kind of like sagebrushy, like low cactus, not really a lot of greenery. I hope I'm, those of you natives, you're like, don't come down on my place. Um, but that's what I, but, but really tall mountains. And one of them said um, that this potential place that he could have been um, had many routes in and through it, but it had no water. And so people would go there for refuge and also for hiding. I, it, whenever I read the scripture, and as we go through this together, I want you to tap into your imagination that, that God gave you, the creative imagination. And I know the character and nature of my God. And I know that Holy Spirit did not say, get out of here, good luck. That he actually, what I think he said was, let's go away together. And actually, as we're going away together, I'm gonna to empower you to, for every encounter you're about to face. And in the process of us going away together and spending time together, we're actually gonna create some intimacy together that's gonna shape the ministry that I'm about to call you to. So let's come away with me and I will be there for you. So our first encounter that Jesus experienced was he was hungry. Okay, who in the room gets hangry? Go ahead. And if you're sitting next to someone and they don't raise their hand, just, mm. I have a few in my house. They'll name unnamed, ones at the sound booth. Um, that when they get hangry, it is like, I love him, but I don't like him when he gets hangry. And so Jesus was hungry, okay? I don't know if he was hangry, but he was hungry. It'd been 40 days, but he had a legitimate need, a legitimate need. 
Some of you have legitimate needs. Lawrence oftentimes says, um, when, it, when she talks about needs, she will say, everyone has needs. You will get your needs met either legitimately or illegitimately. Jesus had a need. He was hungry. So when the enemy comes at the end of 40 days and, and notices a legitimate need in his life, he says, if you're the son of God, turn that stone into bread. If you have a legitimate need, son and daughter, do something about it. And then he taunts you with it. Get your needs met. Get your needs met. You need attention, get your needs met. You go get that. You need love, get your needs met. You go find that. You need healing, get your needs met. You strive, you worry. You let shame and fear come all over you, but get your needs met. He says, if, if. I think sometimes in this place of a legitimate need, what we hear in our minds is if. If, if I could, if I would, if I were more spiritual, then maybe I would be healed. If I would maybe give more money, then maybe I would be blessed. If I was a better parent, then my child would not be uh, acting this way. The enemy said, if you would turn Jesus, if you would turn your legitimate need into bread, then you'll prove yourself. But Jesus says, I won't do it. I will not, because man shall not live by bread alone. And in Matthew, it goes on to say, but by every word of God. See, Jesus knew that his need did not compare to the supernatural power and authority that comes with the spoken word of God. And so when he was tempted to do something with a point of view, look at your need, look at your need. Isn't it hard? Aren't you hungry? He said, mm-mm. By every word of God, my needs are met. And God is so clear to say that with the spoken word of God, it is creative, it is powerful, it is supernatural, it will provide for every need that you have. You have a financial uncertainty. The spoken word of God in your life can bring money where there is lack. You need a job, it looks uncertain to you, it's a legitimate need. The spoken word of God can make a job come out of nowhere. You need healing. You've been to every doctor and nothing works. The spoken word of God will recreate stuff on the inside of you to bring healing where no man-made procedure could do. In Romans, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith, or the word of God is a faith depositor and faith booster. You hear the word of God, it's powerful, it's creative, it cuts between uh, flesh and bone, your thoughts. The creative word of God breathes life into man, into the garden, into Adam. He, he breathes dead things into life. That spoken word deposits faith and the faith gives you the point of view to see your need differently. So where, G, where Jesus was in the, 
in the wilderness and the enemy was saying, you're hungry, focus on that need. God said, when my God speaks, dead things come to life. When he speaks into my life, he could make every stone turn to bread. I don't have lack in this area. There's no worry that I will not be fed because he will feed me more than enemy than you could ever feed me. The kingdom point of view says this, man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not look at need and need alone, but by every dynamic, supernatural, alive and creative word of God that is a depositor of my faith. And in my faith, my needs will be met. So when you are met with a legitimate need, Is your point of view fear or is it faith? Your earthly circumstances do not compare to his ability to create, restore, refresh, and bring things to life. My legitimate need is no match to the kingdom. Second encounter, the enemy took him to a high place. In verse um, five, it says, the devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, little K. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor that it has been given to me if you will worship me. See, the enemy was offering him something that he already has. He has something far better than a little K. He's got a big K. He doesn't have a little K of a kingdom. He's got a big K of a kingdom. And as him being the Lord and the ruler of our life and him, and and he knows the beginning from the end. And so we know what the end says. So when the enemy comes in in that moment and says, I'll give you all the little K you want. I can give all of this to you. I'll give you all the success. I'll give you all the authority. I'll give you all of the influence. Trade, will you trade? Trade my kingdom for your kingdom. So when we have a point of view of striving, of performing to get something, maybe it's to climb the corporate ladder, maybe it's to be an influencer, maybe it's to be seen and to be heard. Sometimes the enemy wants to do a bait and switch with us and he'll say, take mine if I'll take yours. If you'll give me your calling, I'll give you an earthly one. If you'll give me your family, I'll give you a momentary of happiness. If you'll give me um, the calling that God has on your life and, and the job, the place that he's put you, if you'll give that to me and worship me, I'll give you this, I'll give you that, I'll give you all the little K's in the world. But we know in the end that the things of this world will fade away. And God and the big K and the big G will be the thing that stands in the very end. The enemy loves to tempt us with lust. Lust is something that we strive after. It's more than just sexuality although that is part of lust, but it, it's this insatiable desire for something that we don't yet have or that we feel like we can't have. 
And so I wanna throw the question out to you today. When you're looking at your current point of view in your day-to-day life, is there something dangling in front of you that you feel like you don't yet have? And if that is true, who are you worshiping? Are you worshiping the thing that's dangling in front of you that you don't yet have? Maybe it's the job. Maybe it's your legitimate need. Maybe it's a dream that you have on the inside of you. Maybe when you were young, God spoke something into your life and you haven't quite seen it come to fruition and it feels like it just dangles in front of you. What are you gonna worship? Are you gonna pursue that? Are you gonna turn all of your affection and attention towards that thing? Or are you gonna worship God? Because Jesus comes back and he says, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Do we allow our lustful point of view to drive our faith? I know for me in my life, it was a dream. I had a dream. I have dreams on the inside of me. And there are things that I wanted to see accomplished. And it took a long time to see them accomplished. But in the process, I would hold my dream out in front of me and I would worship what it would take. And remember, worship is turning our affection towards. I would turn my affection and my gaze and my energy towards what it would take to get to the dream. And the enemy said, if you'll look at this, look, I'll trade. I'll give you what you want. Will you give me who you are? But God says, I don't worship anyone. Jesus said, I don't worship anyone but my Father. Because in Him, He gives me all of my heart's desires. And in Him, He gives me all of the success and all of the influence that that has been pre-planned just for me. Because your success looks different than yours. Your influence looks different than yours. And if we would all stay in the place and in the lanes that God has called us to run and run after Him, we will end up crossing the finish line and getting exactly what we hoped for and even better. But our eyes stay focused on Him, on the big God, big G, not the little. Sometimes our point of view says, get it now. Trade instant gratification for kingdom satisfaction. A kingdom point of view and my resilient faith rests in a God whose promises are yes and amen. I don't have to lust. I don't have to strive. I don't have to worship what it takes to get where I wanna go because my promises might not be here today, but they're coming. Because I serve a God that his promises are yes and amen, and his word is always true. And when he speaks something to me, he doesn't go back on it. Sometimes I'm in that wilderness moment, but I'm fully empowered, full of God, and I'm waiting to see the fruition of a promise come in my life. So when I keep my eyes focused on God, when I worship him and him alone, when he is my point of view, I'll get there. 
Third encounter. It was an attack on his identity. I mean, all of them were, but this one for me, I'm like, he tried to hit him low, okay? So the last encounter that Luke describes, the enemy takes or leads Jesus to Jerusalem, to a high place, it says. I think this is interesting. When the enemy took Jesus or led Jesus to Jerusalem, Jerusalem in a, was a place when he was a few months old that he was taken to be dedicated. That's what we would consider it. When we have baby dedications in the front and we commit them to the Lord, we know that they're the Lord's, but it's an outward sign of an inward decision. So this was kind of a, this was like a, a law and a ritual and a cultural thing that they did. So a few months into Jesus, when he was little, his mom and his dad took him to Jerusalem to be dedicated. Isn't it interesting that the enemy led him to a place where he first stepped into his identity? That he was brought into a city and in a temple to say, his mom and dad said, I give him back to you. He can be all that he's been created to be. And then he says he put him on a high place, the highest place in Jerusalem. And what this high temple thing was that he stood on top of, I did Google it, couldn't quite figure out what it looked like, so I can't describe it to you, but um, I'm sure someone in the room would know. Um, But they say that it was a really, really high place and the Jewish priests would go up occasionally and they would blow a horn and that was supposed to be a reminder to worship God. It was supposed to be a reminder that God's promises are true and who he says he is. So the enemy leads him to a place that it is a full-on assault, and he says to yourself, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Jump. If you say who you say that you are, and if you say, and if all of the scripture and all of the words that have been spoken about you in the coming Messiah, if it's true, jump. How many times does the enemy come to us and say, you say that God loves you. You don't feel it today. Jump. Put it to the test. I don't believe it's true. Your identity will be hit in the very place that you're called to reign. See, Jesus in that, in that close vicinity of Jerusalem would one day come back and and be crucified and raised again from the dead. And he would make a way for us to be total union with the Father. And in that moment, the enemy was like, I wanna put you on a public display of humiliation. Jump. But what Jesus said, it's everything. He said, at first sight, it's like, "Mm," but listen, he said, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, the enemy will come to kill, steal, and destroy your future. His whole plan is to kill, steal, and destroy your your dreams, your desires, your passion, your peace. But God comes to give life and life abundantly. 
So when your identity is hit in this vulnerable moment, the question is, what do you do? See, God said, don't put the Lord my God to the test. In other words, do not push against the boundaries of my identity back up. That's enough. And what I wanna ask you today is I want you to have the courage that in those places that you are, in the places of insecurity, in the places where the enemy is hitting you at, the, at, the, at your heart, at who you believe you've been made to be. And maybe the lies that, that kind of run through your head are, I'm not good enough. Nobody notices me. I'll always be this way. If someone would just love me, then I could be better. But Jesus is saying, that's enough. Do not call into question my son and my daughter and their position in me. So in your moments and in your point of view of insecurity and doubt and lies that are constantly plaguing your thoughts, Jesus is saying, do not call into question my son or my daughter, enough. But I think for us, we believe that we have to fight for it. We believe that we have to, you know, to give our resume. And, but I, let, me, let me explain to you who I am. When Jesus was tempted on the top of that temple and the enemy said, jump, he didn't say, okay, let's just pause for a minute. Um, let me remind you actually what the word has said about me. And, and then let me... And then this is what's gonna happen. I'm about to one day do this and you're, you're gonna be really sorry that you actually did this to me in the first place because I'm actually gonna like be ruler over all things and this is just so temporary. Um, let me like go ahead and give you what's happening. He didn't do any of that. He didn't explain himself because his, his point of view was I am Jesus, I am a son of my father and in him I am perfect. And in him, I am created to do some incredible things and do not call me or my God into question enough. I want us to have the confidence to exercise that phrase. Instead of entertaining the lies to jump, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you didn't come from a good enough family, you aren't a good enough parent, you aren't loved, you're not seen. Instead of entertaining those lies, I want you to say this. I am chosen, I have been empowered, I am in Christ. Do not, say it with some energy, do not put, my, put the Lord my God and what he says about me, to the test. No reason. You don't need to explain yourself. You are in Christ. And in you, you are the hope of glory. And he is hope inside of you. And everything that you need, he has. You're good enough. You're seen. You're loved. 
Don't let your current point of view determine the resiliency of your faith. See, resiliency um, has the ability to bend and come back into shape. It's like a rubber band. In life, we will bend, but we won't break, the word says. Sometimes we feel stretching, but we'll always come back to our original place. And the ability to have resilient faith only comes with a kingdom point of view. If your point of view is determined by um, the news or your social media feed, what you feel or what you think, you will stay broken. But if your kingdom point of view remains steady and steadfast, you can weather any storm. See, Jesus found himself with some optional points of view and he rejected the earthly point of view every time and he kept the one point of view. Let's look in Mark 1, 9 through 12. Actually, I think it's 9 through 11. This will be our last verse. It says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus went into his wilderness journey with a kingdom point of view. That point of view was he was loved, He was seen, and his dad was really proud of him. He went from being filled with the Spirit, called into, with love, into intimacy with the Father, endured some trials and temptations that was forming him and making him into who God wanted him to become, so for his ministry, but he did all of that with one point of view. One point of view. He knew he was seen, he was loved, and his father was proud of him. Before he ever went to the cross, his father was proud of him. Before he ever did the thing, his father was proud of him. I think some of us find ourselves stuck, striving for the legitimate need to be met, stuck striving for the dream to come to fruition, stuck striving in lies that we're believing, just wishing that we could believe something different about ourselves. And I think the small switch that needs to happen is just your point of view. And I think today, what God is wanting to do is He's saying, just like when when Jesus came out of the water and the heavens opened, And the Holy Spirit came down and empowered him. And he announced to everyone, that's my kid. And I am proud of him. What God wants to do today is he wants to open the heavens over your life. He wants the Spirit of God to come down and empower you and rest on you. And he wants you to look up and he wants you to look in his eyes. And with that creative breath, 
He wants to say to you, I see you. I love you. I am proud of you. I see you. I love you. I am proud of you. And now our point of view becomes His point of view. I am seen. I am loved. He is so proud of me. Today, um, I want all of us to stand as we close. And I think there's two invitations. One, some of you in the room or those that are watching online might say, this Jesus that you're talking about, this whole like point of view of knowing that I'm seen, loved, and He's proud of me, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never encountered this before in my life, but I want to. If you wanna make Jesus the Lord of your life, that He looks down on you and says, son, daughter, I love you. I see you. I see everything that you've done up until today and I see everything that you're gonna do in your future and I still love you and I'm still proud of you. Today, you're gonna have an invitation to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And the other thing that is here in the invitation for you is I think that it's time for us to do some exchanging. It's time for us to exchange some points of view. So as I've been talking, some of you will say, oh, it's the legitimate need. I have allowed my legitimate need to be the focus of my life. I've allowed it to determine what I do, what I say, how I act. And I'm ready to change that out and know that I am seen, I am loved, and He is so proud of me. And that as He sees me, He sees my need and He can provide for that. I think another point of view that we're gonna to exchange today is worship. As I was talking, I think some of you might say, oh, um, I've actually been turning my affection and focus on the wrong thing. And as I've been striving to get success, authority, influence, I'm actually the most miserable I have ever been in my entire life. My point of view is just wrong. And I think sometimes we don't get there intentionally. We don't look up one morning and say, you know what, I think I'm gonna do this wrong today. Just sounds good, give it a try. But oftentimes it's this thousand little things in life. And we look up one day and we're like, how did I get here? Today, God wants to exchange the point of view. And He wants to say that it is my spoken word into your life that's gonna actually change everything. And then the last thing is broken identity. And I think some of you have been wrestling with voices in your head telling you that you are not good enough, that you are not seen, no one could be proud of you, that you will stay stuck right where you are for the rest of your life. And what God has said is there's someone here today in the room, but watching online. 
that you would say, I hear that voice in my head that says, jump. And I don't think I wanna live anymore. I don't think I wanna try another day because it's just too hard. God says it is time to live. And that it is time to come alive because you are His son and His daughter. He sees you. You are loved and He is so proud of you that there is no circumstance on this earth that could take you out of His love for you. You are seen, you are loved. He is so proud of you. God wants to exchange the point of view today, but His invitation is to say, will you just look up at me? Will you let me tell you that you're seen and you're loved and I'm proud of you? And so, As we sing today, before the ministry team comes up, I want to leave the altars open because there's something transformational about stepping out of your seat as a sign of exchange. And I want you to picture Jesus on the cross, the the man that was tempted with points of, different points of view in the wilderness, empowered, to withstand all of the testing that's available for you. But that guy, he died on a cross for you to be able to easily exchange. So I want you to picture as you come forward in a few minutes to exchange a point of view, I want you to picture you coming up here and you laying down your point of view. And I just want you to wait. And I want you to spend a little time with him And I want you to look at Him and there's no words that you need to say. You just need to listen because He's gonna tell you, I see you, I love you, I am proud of you. Let me pray for us. God, I thank You that Your greatest desire is for the heavens to be open, for you to pour out your spirit on all flesh, it says, on your sons and your daughters, that your greatest desire is to empower us in such a way that we can withstand any point of view that comes our way. And so God, I just invite you, Holy Spirit, I invite you here today to change our point of view. And I thank you, Father, that you are gonna be speaking to us exactly who we are in you. And that I thank you that your point of view of us never changes. No matter what we did yesterday, no matter what we're gonna do tomorrow, You see us, you love us, and you're proud of us. In Jesus' name, amen.